0: Hey, welcome to our multiverse. We're excited you're joining us for our new parody comedy series, Superhero Diaries.
1: Hello, this is Batman. Well, sort of. I mean, I'm not one of those actors who gets to play all your favorite superheroes in movies and TV. I guess you would say I'm a parody version of the Dark Knight. Anywho, me and some of my super friends have decided to tell you what we're really thinking when we are doing all those crime fighting Earth-saving multiverse-hopping kind of stuff. We will reveal what's behind the mask. Our most private thoughts. Like, who's our secret superhero crush? Gotta go. Girl talk. We have to deal with real-life issues just like you. I mean, how does Spider-Man pee when he's wearing his Spidey onesie? It rides up in the crotch a little bit, too. Does Aquaman talk to fish before he eats them? What is the Hulk's critical review of Wonder Woman '84? (laughs) And most confounding of all. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. How does a guy like me, with no superpowers, get through the week without getting killed every other day? All will be revealed when Superhero Diaries takes off on February 9th. Subscribe now, true believers!
2: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein,
3: Standing in the center, the mortal combatant Sub-Zero patiently awaits his next opponent. Standing in place, cold eyes trained on the giant portal, currently closed, its occupant shrouded in mystery. The assembled crowd starts to murmur that no champion dares to face the blue-clad ninja. It is then that an explosion is heard in the darkened sky above. A streaking gout of exhaust and fire can be seen careening directly towards the center of the arena, seemingly from orbit. Landing with perfect accuracy, the Terminator armor-clad Marnius Kalgar stands ready for battle. You are a foul abomination who might scare every other living creature here, but rest assured, monster... I shall know no fear. And with that, round one begins. It's Grandmaster versus Chapter Master. It's Tundra versus the Ultra Smurf. It's Sub-Zero versus Marnius Kalgar. Today on Who Would Win?
0: And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win? A show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. Ray, we have another intriguing battle this week. In one corner, you have Sub-Zero, the iconic character from Mortal Kombat, versus Marnius Calgar from Warhammer 40,000 fame. Look, yet again, of course, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test, and you'll never believe this, surprise, surprise... It looks like, yet again, we are the first ever to debate this matchup. So, Ray, what are your thoughts on today's battle?
3: I am super excited about today's battle, quite frankly. I love the world of Warhammer 40,000 going back a very, very long time. And I also love
0: the works of Mortal Kombat. It's basically Shakespeare for a current time and age. I would agree with that. Now, Ray, we've been having some incredible matchups. You've been doing very well. I know today's matchup has another another little bit of a different meaning for you in terms of, of what we're doing for the season overall. It's definitely got a different meaning for me. What have your thoughts been leading up to this, especially after the last three weeks?
3: The last 3 look you're trying to set me off early and I'm not going to let you do it. Look, the last 3 weeks have been wildly infuriating where each time I felt I had the better character walking in the door, my arguments were tight, and people even told me on Twitter, on Facebook, on 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 the tweet sphere, the whole thing. They say Ray your arguments are the tightest arguments, the cleanest arguments we've seen. Your rebuttals, gold, every single one of them. Every time I thought James was making a good point, you would step in with a rebuttal and squish him like a little bug. And then
0: each and every time for the last three weeks, the judge
3: has pooped the bed in the hardest way possible.
0: Ray, here's the deal. You, you know, I, I said this about you last season. You've really brought your A game to every battle. You've upped your game for that matter. And I wouldn't say that you've lost the uh, three weeks, in a row, I'd say that you uh came in as a as a strong first runner up, like a a silver medalist, like you're the second place champ for the past three weeks. And look, I wanna say that you're doing a great job. I want to say that you're inspiring me to have a great fight. I wanna say all these great things about you, but I'm not. You know why, Ray? Because you've already won four matches in a row. I'm on the edge right now of doing the exact same thing. And guess what? I'm gonna bring it harder than I've ever done before. If you thought I was crazy for the last three matchups, you just wait until what I do with Sub-Zero. Look, all
3: I want to say is having lost the last three in a row and being right here now, I sort of feel like the early 90s Buffalo Bills, who absolutely should have won multiple Super Bowls, but unfortunately did not. And I want to right a wrong in the name of Jim Kelly
0: and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, man, I, I'm talking about like being in the current zeitgeist. And and bringing like good, okay. The Buffalo Bills were a tragic story, Ray. I was going for the Buffalo Bills each and every time they went four times in a row. Not cool. With that being said, I'm getting that fourth win today. Count on it. There's no um, chance
3: you're getting the fourth win, and I'll tell you exactly why. The reason why is because, look, we went into our meeting. We always have these giant boardroom meetings with people all over the place to determine these matchups. Ideas coming right, left, center. Things getting crossed off. Me vetoing right and left. Every single thing the people say they want because I know they they don't know what they're talking about. But today, I made a point to grab a Warhammer 40,000 character, one of the strongest, most capable Warhammer 40,000 characters. We've been asked for a long time to get one on the show. We have one today. This is my jam. This is the hill I may have to die on today.
0: Ray, all I got to say is that you are adorable. And speaking of adorable, it's time to introduce our guest judge. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. You know him from his many appearances on ABC's The Middle and on Jimmy Kimmel. And now you can see him back in LA after another extended stay at his mom's house in Rochester, New York. It's the one and only Tommy Bechtold. Tommy, welcome back to Who Would Win. Gentlemen, no more parents for
4: me. I can stay up as late as I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can swear whenever I want. I'm living large and in charge. And by the way, the Bills should have won more than, than zero Super Bowls. They should have won all four of those games. That was hey. dark times in the Bechtold.
0: Oh, my gosh.
3: Tommy Bechtold, this- what's your what's your team? I see a jersey on the wall behind you. What uh, a, What is your favorite a- football team, Tommy?
4: That would be the AFC East division champion, Buffalo Bills. Whoa! I had
3: no idea. I just brought up that reference completely randomly.
4: Well, you're already scoring points in my book, and I know that's frowned
0: upon, but let's just say you're way ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy bringing it. Okay, so Tommy, you've been on sitcoms, talk shows, mm-hmm. you know, you bought, you know, even the, the greatest things of all time, part of who would win panels at comic conventions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, tell us what you're working on these days.
4: These days I am a contributor for New Rockstars YouTube channel. We do, you know, we cover delicious nerd news uh with our shows. We have shows like Rogue Theory and Big Question where we answer your questions about movies. Uh, I answered a question about whether or not Ant-Man takes giant dumps when he's giant or if the food will will grow in <laughs> his stomach, which it will because atomically everything uh, uh, that is a part of Ant-Man expands and grows and then contracts. So if, if he grew to a huge size, he would take a big dump, guys. Anyway, uh, so obviously my parents are very proud of the work I'm doing now. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm up to.
0: Tommy asking the questions that everyone is asking, but getting the answers as well. We kind of go way back. You go back even further a little bit with Ray, but a lot of fans want to know how we meet our judges. So I hope you don't want me putting you on the spot. Would you like to regale the Who Would Win fans and audience about how we all first met? Sure, sure. It's actually a pretty
4: interesting story. A lot of people don't know this. The three of us are pretty dynamic basketball players, and we were playing pretty high-level competitive basketball when we were tricked into transferring our powers into a magic basketball that then allowed these tiny shrimp-like aliens to become basketball superstars so that they could bully Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tunes gang well we lost all of our powers and let me tell you we had a tournament that weekend and we were very embarrassed that we could no longer make simple layups I couldn't dunk anymore James your shot from downtown was just mediocre at best and Ray Ray could barely stand so yeah from our early days of streetball to to our friendship now it spans decades
3: it's crazy you know, we don't often talk about the hustling days that we used to run mm-hmm. uh, running the game yeah. on the courts you know hey I'll take anybody here oh I'll take that big goof and then James would come walking right. in and then we would beat him three on three every single
0: mm-hmm. time like it's just how we did did the streets that's right a lot of good money was made back then a lot yes. of good money yeah <sighs> it was crazy those are the days more to come on, on, on our of the way we first met but with that said it's about that time Ray please do us the honors and announce today's matchup <laughs> Representing
3: Mortal Kombat, the ninja whose favorite music must be Scandinavian religious songs, because he's always being asked for a Finnish hymn, Sub-Zero. <laughs> and representing Warhammer 40,000, the space marine who shaved off his hair once to avoid the appearance of, hair I see, Marnius Kalgar.
0: Uh, Marnie. Love Marnie. All right, now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. So, Ray... What's going on with with Marnius Calgar here? Which version are you using?
3: Well, I'm going to be using the canonical version of Marnius Calgar. That would be the one that's found in the novels, uh, in the game as well, because there are stories in there, as well as the new comic book uh, that just came out that explores early life Calgar, although not a ton into that one just yet. It's only, I believe, three issues in as we record this, or maybe even two. Not that many is what my point is, but go with canon Martius Calgar. Now, there is some stuff that was retconned,
0: but I, let's face it, I'm just going to go with what feels right for the character. I'm going to go with Marnius Calgar. Got it. Okay, so with Sub-Zero, I'll be going with the latest incarnation, You know, and I believe the comic books have some canon to the current iteration, I believe, so I'll be pulling a little bit from that as well. Okay, rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons, that are long-established part of the character's continuity feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store, get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowidwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new shirts, new merchandise all the time. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with every plate, America's best value meal kit. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, and each recipe couldn't be easier to follow.
3: With every plate, you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking, and all that for the same price as one cup of coffee. It's assuredly cheaper than that pumpkin spice latte.
0: Last week, my family challenged me to make something great for dinner. So, I ordered the amazing hibachi-style steak rice bowls from every plate for my family, Super easy and super quick to prepare, by the way. Now, my entire family thinks I'm an amazing cook, and thanks to every plate, you know what? They're not wrong. Each meal gives you simple step by step instructions and pre
3: portioned ingredients to make it fast and easy. Hey, I've said it before if you can build a bookshelf, you can make a great meal with every plate, and the choices are varied. I've personally made crispy Caesar chicken pork and poblano tacos, and
0: bibimbap. And all of the above turned out absolutely fantastic. Get started with EveryPlate for just one seventy nine per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. That's just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. Try this offer and you'll see firsthand why EveryPlate is America's best value meal kit.
3: We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole who would win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me.
2: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? And
0: now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Marnius Calgar. Marnius Augustus Calgar is the chapter master of the Ultramarine
3: chapter of Space Marines. Calgar has been seen in lore as early as Warhammer 40,000's first edition release, Rogue Trader, back in 1987. The Space Marines in the world of Warhammer 40K are truly the elite defenders of humanity, protecting the people of the Imperium of Man from all threats, both external as well as internal. Space Marine chapters go wherever things are the darkest. Each Space Marine undergoes an extensive process to turn them from an ordinary human to a seven-foot-tall, super-powered angel of death. Marnius Calgar is the super-enhanced leader of the Ultramarine chapter, the most popular in all of Warhammer 40k, and leads them into battle after battle against the worst threats that he can find. Fun fact, in a recent Marvel comic, the origin story of Marnius Calgar is explained further. Being trained up as a youth to survive the grueling process of becoming an Ultramarine, Calgar, along with his friend Takatan, discovered his group had been corrupted by the ruinous powers of Chaos. Ultimately escaping the death cult, Calgar was grievously wounded and died during the skirmish. Tacitin was so taken with the heroism of his fallen battle brother that he changed his name to Marnius Calgar in order to honor his fallen protector. And he became the hero that he believed the original
0: Calgar was meant to be. That is Marnius Calgar. Wow, that is actually pretty impressive. And this character has been around in some iteration since the late 80s. Is that correct? Since the mid-late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. My work is cut out for me. Okay. Here are the details for Sub-Zero. Now, Sub-Zero first appeared in Mortal Kombat 2 back in 1993 and was created by Ed Boone and John Tobias. Abducted as a child alongside his brother, Baihan, by the Lin Kuei clan of assassins, Kwai Lang was trained from youth in the art of what was called... Silent murder, and of course, I'm using air quotes as I say silent murder. While he served the Lin Kuei clan under the codename Tundra, Kwai Lang took the name Sub Zero when his older brother, Bihan, was killed by the specter Scorpion. Kwai Lang took up the role of Sub Zero and left the Lin Kuei to escape being turned into a cyborg. While his path was long and winding, bringing him to the sides of both evil and good, Kwai would eventually return to the Lin Kuei, reforming it into an organization that helped defend Earthrealm's peace. And here's an interesting fact about Sub Zero. Did you know it was Sub-Zero that made Congress try to cancel and possibly outlaw the Mortal Kombat game back in the 90s? It's true. The original Mortal Kombat was many things. It was both revolutionary and bold, but its boldness didn't always appeal to everyone. As a result of its more violent approach to gameplay, and particularly the fatalities, it became so bad that it got the notice of Congress, who wanted to put a stop to the game altogether, deeming it too violent. Which violent aspect was Congress referring to, by the way? Why, it was none other than Sub-Zero's spine-ripping fatality. Luckily, Congress somehow got over it and decided to go after something even more evil, more violent, and even more destructive to the fabric of our society, MMA cage fighting. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Tommy, do you have any questions before we get started? No, but uh, uh,
4: Mortal Kombat was also banned in the Bechtold house uh, in the early 90s. And uh, we were not allowed to play it, but my cousins had it. And I, being a good Catholic boy, would not play it, but I would watch them play it. And that made it feel all the more naughty watching oh them. <laughs>
0: Where did did you follow? You know, did your household follow like Congress? Like you could not yes. play Moral Kombat? We, uh, but then we, cage we, we only, was...
4: Yeah, we only followed congressional decisions. We went as the as the uh, as the as the House of Representatives and the Senate went, uh, which worked out uh, some years and was horrible other years. And I'll let the audience decide what years those were. Uh, whichever side you agree with is what I'm talking about. <laughs> well played. All That's right. why they
0: call him the middle. That's right. <laughs> ah, aha. Okay. Ray. That was great. Go ahead and hit us with your first point. Point number
3: one for Marnius Calgar. I just want to lay out a little bit of the fabric of what makes a space marine in the world of Warhammer 40,000. Because they take these uh, young children, essentially 12, 13, 14 years old, and they find ones with a great warrior spirit. Whether they they sort of train them up to, to go through the process or they just find great warriors and fighters and leaders in the various places that they look for The Ultramarines found Marnius Calgar either when he was 12 or 14, depending on the iteration of the story that you want to go with, and they put them through a three-part process to turn them from regular kids into immortal death machines, and that's first off the genetic modification... They inject them with 19 different implants over the, an extended period of time. And these implants do everything from give the space Marines extra organs as well, like a second heart, for example. So therefore, there's, they don't have as many vital spots on them to hit when they're out in battle. It also gives them implants that are going to enhance their strength. That's going to make them a little bit smarter, think a little bit faster, as well as give them a whole lot of extra resilience out there on the battlefield. Essentially, these 19 implants cause them to get bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. That's the framework in which we start. Now, we take all of that, and we give them what's called psycho conditioning, and that basically is mental training, which one teaches them about a lot of the art of war, but also makes sure that they are pure in spirit and unable to be corrupted, because corruption is a big deal when you give this much power to a living creature essentially. So there's very much powerful uh, psychic powers out there as well as the evil ruinous forces of chaos which are constantly trying to corrupt the space marines. Psycho-conditioning is what they use to try to not let that happen so they can stay pure, stay without fear and fight the battles they need to fight. And then finally the rigorous training is the third part of the triumvirate and that is teaching them how to use every single weapon. Eventually when they graduate through the space marine ranks a little bit they get the special implant that allows them The gland, if you will, that allows them to wear the powered armor that you can see on Marnius Kalgar behind me right there. And so through all of this, you have essentially a Superman, not a Superman-like character, but a super-powered individual that is known for going around the galaxy taking on all the fights that they can get now a few of the things that space marines can do just out the gate enhance strength, enhance speed enhance durability, that's with no armor whatsoever, they're also immune to any forms of poison that you can find out there they've been known to spit acid on occasion and their heads can can be so hard in the case of some space marines that they forego wearing a helmet because if they get shot in the head the bullet's just going to bounce off of their head anyway now Marnius Calgar you take all of that, that's your basic space Marine. Marnius Kalgar has been fighting for many, 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 many years through many different campaigns, leading them. And while though he is a force known as being a general who moves the forces into position and gets utmost loyalty from his crew, on top of all of that, he leads from the front. He's a Stonewall Jackson kind of a leader on the battlefield where he will step out of cover, survey everything, and only get back into cover again if he feels it's overwhelming. Otherwise, he's just going to stay out there inspiring the troops to rush forward and punch the living crap, shoot the living crap out of absolutely any of these menaces that he needs to in order to get the victory of the day.
0: And that is my point number one. So this is what I was talking about. We, you're, you're talking about just like the base, you know, level space marine, and there's a lot of badassery with this character, right? Mm-hmm. Just in the base level. So a few questions. When you talk about enhanced strength and speed, you know, I've been, I don't want to mean it's not like a broken record, but this helps me just kind of understand the character. What level? Let's compare them. Is it, captain america is it spider-man is it somewhere in between yeah there I, mean, it is. I i
3: think it starts at spider-man quite frankly these guys are very very strong especially if you read some of the novelizations uh it depends on who's writing it from time to time sometimes they're very 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 ridiculous and sometimes they're a little bit more muted based on the writing marnius calgar across the board is a character who is always displayed as very very strong
0: got it so like being able to like pick up a car and throw it is that, that would, something they can that do? would
3: be nothing to these guys no
0: Got it. Okay, so there, That I think Spider-Man's a good uh, analogy. Okay, got it. And how many years has Marnius been active?
3: The thing about being a space marine is part of this genetic modification also makes you effectively immortal. They don't really age at a very quick rate whatsoever. And on top of that, they're not going to just like catch a disease and die because they're, they can't.
0: Got it. Okay, so they're functionally immortal and they've got this enhanced strength, speed, endurance cognitive ability plus they have a lot of combative training on top of psychological discipline imbued within them is that correct is that all of that is
3: all of that is accurate
0: got it with weapons training wow Mm -hmm. okay this is impressive all right let me go ahead to my point number one then and kind of get the party started with this so for sub-zero let's talk about his combat skills his durability and all of that kind of leading to his mental toughness so sub-zero as we all know is kind of one of the best fighters of his clan and is one of the most feared fighters in all of Mortal Kombat. He's a master of Shotokan Karate and Dragon Kung Fu. And since a child, again, I don't know why I find this so comical. He's also been training in the deadly style known as silent murder. I'm just picturing like these mini mall karate schools that like now offering silent murder, kids class, right? So he also has these ice abilities. I think they're called cryomantic abilities. And this makes his fighting style even deadlier, but I'll talk more about that later. So back to his fighting uh, his skills. You know, of course, it's enabled to defeat, like, many opponents throughout Mortal Kombat. We know them. Reptile, Scorpion, and even Batman. Batman Ray. You know, the guy who beat Yoda in an earlier Who Would Win battle. I think you were there as well. Sub-Zero is one of the deadliest assassins in the world and goes on to become, I think, the Grandmaster of his clan. And another important thing to point out is that Sub-Zero, he's actually also got really crazy strength. And you see this with his world-famous fatalities, the same ones that shot Congress, by the way. You know, he has the strength to grab someone's head rip it straight off with the spinal cord still attached. He does that with using only one hand. He can uppercut someone so hard that their head will come off and get launched dozens of yards up into the air. He's strong enough to rip someone's spinal cord straight through their body as if he's just reaching in and pulls it out. Another really good example of strength is that he can front kick someone's chest so hard. I don't know why I find this so fun to watch. He front kicks them in the chest so hard, their entire upper body gets separated from their legs and goes flying. And if that's enough, he's also superhuman in a number of different ways. He can dodge missiles, fired them from close range. He can get stabbed and be impaled by two swords at once and keep on fighting. He can survive Scorpion's Hellfire, which is extremely intensely hot. This is cool. He can break titanium steel with one chop, which means he can hit with a force of 63,000 pounds of pressure per square inch, otherwise known as half as hard as James Gavsey. Look, Sub-Zero has fought ninjas, cyborgs. Now I think about cyborg ninjas, uh, even gods. But when it comes to this battle, there won't be much. Look, as impressive as a space marine is, and uh, as Marius as is, there's not going to be much that Sub-Zero hasn't already seen in some way, shape, or form and hasn't already beaten before. That's my point number one
3: and there's a lot of good things that you're saying right there look Sub-Zero is quite possibly my favorite character from all of Mortal Kombat only because walking in the door you know there are two different Sub-Zeros and they're brothers and one's evil and one's good and then there's the fight between them and everything which I generally appreciate that kind of from a Mortal Kombat game to get kind of a story that deep I've said it before when we did our Scorpion battle there's more story there than you think that there ought to be given that it's Mortal Kombat but great job to the people behind that franchise that said Sub-Zero has been defeated quite a few times canonically in the tournaments. Obviously, to my understanding, there have been how many of these Mortal Kombat tournaments at
0: this point? Like ten? And I don't think Sub-Zero's ever won a single one of them, has he? You know, I don't think he has. To that point, though, I think although Marnius has been near death quite a few times as well.
3: Oh, and absolutely. Marnius Calgar has had to get bailed out against some of his most ridiculous foes. That doesn't mean that he didn't, you know, cause great damage to those foes or was being overwhelmed by so many characters at the same time. That's usually how you have to bring down a character like Marnius Calgar, and that's with a lot of stuff. Sub-Zero just kind of lost a
0: lot of one-on-one battles, though, didn't he? He sure did. See, this is actually an interesting point. You've got someone who's an amazing fighter, but who's got a higher core competency as a leader of an army, you know, as a general... Versus sure. someone who does, who has leadership capabilities, the leader of his clan. But I think his core competency is really more on one-on-one fighting. It's a really interesting dynamic between the two characters. They kind of, you know, they're kind of like, you know, the flex tape. Uh, if you ever see that infomercial where that mm-hmm. really strange guy takes a knife, holds the bucket, and starts stabbing it repeatedly, saying that's a lot of damage, and you put flex tape or Sub Zero or Marnius on it, and they'll recover, they'll be okay from it. So I don't know why I brought up that al- analogy. I just like flex tape. All right, Tommy. Yes. More importantly, you've heard points number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at right now?
4: You know, this is an intriguing battle for me. This feels uh, very exotic. We have two child prodigies. In 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 Ray and myself, of course. Yes, in in, in Marnius versus Sub-Zero. Two gladiators that were taken as boys and forced to learn the ways of the adult combat world. Some in space, some here on the terrestrial Earth. So far, some things that have stood out to me, Sub-Zero's ability to kick a man in half caught my eye. Marnius Kilgar's uh, second hearts or multiple organs, and I believe a mention of specialty glands has appealed to my tastes in a fighter. So, yeah, what am I saying? Not much. Right now, it seems pretty even. I mean, how do you go against a guy that can kick a guy in half? Uh, You give him a guy with two sets of lungs. That's what I say. Just hope that one of the half that stays with him has a lung, a pair of lungs in it. So uh, yeah, I, uh, right now I'll be honest. It's a crap shoot right now, fellas.
0: Tommy, this is why everyone with a who would win production team, including Ray and myself, consider you the Shakespeare of who would win. <laughs> you really do have a way with words, Tommy. It's like a poet, yeah, 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 I, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> All right, Ray. It seems like we're at you know in familiar <laughs> territory. We're both uh, where where we probably should have been expecting after point number one. Quite frankly, absolutely. All right, but this character you're representing, Marnius, I gotta tell you, I, this I got is more to come. I, That's what I'm more afraid of. Go ahead and hit me with your point number two.
3: Point number two for Marnius Calgar. I want to talk about the gear of the Space Marines because now you understand what the man is, the Superman is, if you will, inside the uh, armor. Let's talk about all of the different gear that Marnius Calgar brings to the table because as the chapter master, he now in more recent iterations has gone from wearing standard artificer armor, which is special master-crafted, very, very potent Space Marine armor, as well as Terminator armor. It's a special kind of armor that they wear for close quarters combat that's not as mobile but it's able to take a punch take a hit much much stronger than your standard space marine armor or even the artificer armor but nowadays he wears something called the armor of heracles which is a very very special made kind of for him in a way artificer armor that means it's mastercrafted it's a -a one-of-a-kind piece and it's a piece that nobody else is allowed to get near because it's just for him he carries with him some very very powerful weaponry he wears on both fists what's called the Gauntlets of Ultramar. And in the world of Warhammer 40K, those are called Power Fists, and he's got two of them. Now, a Power Fist, it's a gigantic metal glove, basically, that lets out an energy field when it hits something, essentially cracking things real, real hard when it hits them. Not only does it enhance his natural strength, of which it is great, it also, when it hits you, it, it kind of exponentially makes your strength go up as it tears you asunder just from the contact of the power fists. And not just that. Inside each of those two power fists are hidden bolters. That is a ranged weapon that fires off these big old shells that go into something Penetrate something and then explodes. It explodes once it go into you. If he shoots Sub Zero with one of these bolters, one of his basic attacks, the bullet's gonna go inside Sub Zero and create its own very gruesome fatality just from a standard attack for Marnius Kalgar. Not to mention. The Savage Dragon example, he could grab him with the two gauntlets of Ultramar and rip him in half, just like it was alleged Savage Dragon could do to Deathstroke in a previous episode. Or he could just punch a hole clean through him. Why not? On top of all of that, as far as defense goes, yes, his armor is going to protect him from most forms of attack. It doesn't really hinder his mobility, which is a very, very important thing as well. But he also wears what's called an iron halo. Now an iron halo is a special defensive item given to very, very top of the line space marines. For example, chapter masters and force commanders and what have you, Marnius Kalgar being one of the most impressive of their likes. An iron halo creates what's called a conversion field. It essentially creates a force field around him that slows down and deflects and protects from ranged attacks, but also from melee and close combat attacks as well. It's got sort of a little energy field that can make it so that things That are going to hit him don't always land their mark if you know what I'm saying so all of this combined this extensive weaponry that he has that's that's been known and I'll tell you in point number three some of the ridiculous feats that he's accomplished while wearing these things but he's got the armor he's got the offense he's got the defense he's got everything that he's going to need to win this battle against a very lightly armored opponent in sub-zero and that's my point number two
0: Again, super impressive. What I found the most impressive about this point, Ray, was how you described the uh, armor of Heracles in, in such a way where it felt like I was watching an episode of PBS's Antique Roadshow. And then he's got these gauntlets of Ultramar. I mean, it made me feel like, you know. and How it's much would worth, you pay for the gauntlets of yeah, Ultramar? I mean, at least $35. I mean, this is really well described. Now, quick question. So what are the thresholds of the of the armor, right? You know, I, I'm sure it's very durable. Is it something that protects them in space? Is it you know something that protects them from heat? Like what 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 can it do against cold? Against heat? Against. Give me some ex- explanation of what, what his armor can protect him against.
3: I mean, space marines in general are kind of immune to a lot of uh, those types of conditions just naturally. They're immune to radiation and all that other good stuff. That armor is meant to protect him in battle. Like, that's the big thing it's meant to protect him for. It's not a winter coat. It is meant to, you wear this when it's a kill or be killed kind of a situation with all of humanity at stake. This is the top of the line stuff we can give you to accomplish that goal.
0: Got it. By the way, as someone who's worn many winter coats, I will say that they will protect you in battle as well. And finally, the Iron Halo. Does that go around his head or his whole body? It goes around his head and sort of creates a force field around him. So like Lex Luthor had this armor that we saw in like classic comic books, but didn't protect his head. And they said, well, the reason why is because it projects a force field around his head. That's why he doesn't need the Iron Man kind of stuff going on. Is that kind of a similar approach with uh, the Halo here?
3: it's you know the technology of Warhammer 40,000 is kind of wild because it's all old and gothic and nobody really understands it they Got just it. but they just use it so when you have an iron halo they know what it does they might not necessarily know exactly how it works they have what's called tech priests and those kind of characters who kind of wave their magic hammer around it, say a couple prayers and tap it and then hope it works again. Got it. <laughs> That's sort of the Warhammer 40 K dynamic. So what's the big important things to take away is it's kind of, it's, a, it's attached to
0: his armor, generally speaking,
3: and it's going to give him full body protection in a force field
0: type way. Got it. So it's kind of like, you know, as guardian magical items described as such advanced magic that appears as science and it just works because it does. Yeah, this is advanced science that works as magic, yes. I I would definitely say that's the vibe we're going for here. Okay, I got it. Okay, so you just took an impressive character and made him that much more impressive. Well done. Let me see if I can give a good counterpunch here with my point number two, and I call this one ice magic. Sub-Zero is descended from a race of extra dimensional beings who are well-versed in the art of ice magic. So as a result, the way it was uh, described to me is that Sub-Zero can freeze the moisture in air, in different ways, and that's kind of like how what, what his powers are based off of. Just like Ray, your your favorite mega level mu- mutant, Iceman, Not very familiar. similar type of Not yeah, familiar with an omega thing. level mutant, exact by that same name. thing. It's a thing. Here we go. So now, so Sub Zero can form weapons out of thin air, like swords, daggers, hammers, and shields. His powers are based again on the fact that he can make the moisture in the air freeze and will kind of obey his commands. And when he does this to somebody's body, the moisture is so cold that it instantly freezes them which makes them also brittle and easier to break, which he does through what's called an ice blast. So we've seen this before. Mortal Kombat, he stands a good distance away or even up close, shoots what looks like an ice beam or blast from his hands. Person freezes automatically. Pretty cool. Let's see, on top of the ice blast, what can he do? Well, he's got the ice slide where he freezes the ground underneath him and slides super fast at his opponent, knocking them down. Ray, I'm sure you've seen this. It's kind of familiar to you. It's kind of like a mini infinite mass punch, the way he just accelerates very quickly and hits and knocks the person over. That is uh, embarrassing, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Moving on, Sub-Zero can also create ice armor around himself. He can hit someone with an ice shower, something we may need, from up close, medium, or long range. He can use my personal favorite, the ice clone, which means he can summon these clones that are mobile, but they're a clone of himself made of ice that can block projectiles, be thrown at enemies, and will instantly freeze enemies or opponents who touch them. He can teleport from being right in front of his opponent to them being instantly behind his opponent, and this can be done either close or far range. Speaking of teleporting, When Sub-Zero uses his clone power to create an ice clone, any opponent tries to teleport will automatically be blocked by the ice clone and have to get through that and suffer damage as well. He can create huge blocks of ice over his opponents and then drop them and crush his opponents. We're talking massive ice blocks here. This one's kind of cool. It doesn't really help here. I just wanted to mention it. He can somehow turn himself into a polar bear. What else? (laughs) A penguin. And even a snowman, which is just delightful. Not going to help him in a fight. I just thought it was cool. He can freeze a building, by the way, with just one touch. And then completely, completely obliterate it with one punch. He's got ice breath that can also freeze an opponent. Now, you gotta ask yourself, there's a lot of freezing of opponents happening here. So just how cold can Sub Zero lower the temperature? Well, according to Screw Attack's Death Battle, great show, by the way. Love it, highly recommend it. To instantly freeze someone's body in place, you have to theoretically lower the temperature, get this right, to minus six and a half million degrees Fahrenheit instantly. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I was asking about Marius's armor. Can it deal with an instant temperature drop of six and a half million degrees? Something that's not quite theoretically plausible. And the question, you know, when you ask if Marius can deal with it or not, I don't think he can. I also don't think he can deal with the other ice powers of Sub-Zero. That's my point number two. No, this is the this is the point that I most was afraid of walking into this battle because
3: Sub-Zero has effectively magic as a cryomancer that he has this sort of frozen ability, you know, this Iceman style of ability. Which is why I know that there is a definite cap on that ability because Iceman is definitely not an Omega level mutant. Now, the thing that really struck me about these powers, yes, he can. He he throws the ice ball at people and tries to freeze them. The ice clone I think is an extremely fun thing to use in game, and it's an extremely effective attack. Is somebody's charging at you and they're going to come at kind of breakneck, come at you with that kind of a speed? You jump out of the way with the ice clone, and they get frozen when they hit it. The cool thing about Marnius Kalgar is that he's never going to be the kind of fighter who. fights recklessly he is going to be in control the entire time so if he starts throwing up things like the ice clone I think Marnius Kalgar is going to be more likely to shoot it with the bolter in his gauntlets than he is to run up and try to punch it or foolishly kind of flop into it thus freezing himself the other thing that really struck me is in Mortal Kombat when Sub-Zero throws those ice balls at people in order to freeze them can those enemy combatants not just throw up their arms and then and then they're not actually frozen by it How exactly does that work? I just know that it's effective. How it works is by magic. Okay. So, you know, that's fine. So I just say if Marnius Calgar just throws up his gauntlets of Ultramar and an ice ball's coming in, in the rules of Mortal Kombat, that should effectively not make him frozen. That should effectively deal with the attack
0: very, very well. And I think he's decked out in a way that he's ready to do that. I think Marnius could do that if he knew that was a thing. But remember, this is the first time, first encounter, fair. random fair. encounter, no expectations. You don't know what you're facing and, and who you're dealing with. Okay, Tommy, yes. you've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. We're now at the turning point. This is where you got to kind of dig deep a little bit and tell us who's ahead in this battle and what does the other side have to do to pull out a win?
4: Okay. Well, right now, I think undeniably, we have established how powerful Marnius is, right? we've established he's this like a combination of like the wisdom of gandalf with the power of groot and inv- <laughs> invulnerability of groot like it's just this like ancient wise non impulsive master fighter that pr- could probably kill with bare hands but never will it come to that so i think just kind of the inevitability of the inevitability of him makes him the front runner. Now sub zero is a, a spud web, you know, he's going to get you with a million different, a great 40 year old reference for our, our viewers. I'm spud, here for it. Bud Webb was a miniature basketball player for, uh, was he played for the Hawks? I think the Atlanta Hawks, uh, yeah. amongst other teams. Anyway, let me try and think he's, he's a Swiss army knife of frozen attacks he is elsa on her angriest day is sub zero i think at this point i the just i i, I keep going back to thanos's word uh, the inevitability of of marnius he's just too massive right now i really am going to need to i think for to in order to, to give sub zero a win here i need in this next thing to be proven a way he could defeat i need to hear how he could defeat marnius because so far i I'm on board with all of the defenses that Ray has given for what if Sub-Zero had done this. So that's where I'm at right now, fellas. Got it. Okay. So this Finally, is interesting.
3: I don't think I've been leading at the turning point in like two months. What is happening right now? <laughs> okay. Okay. I, You know, the second I start actually feeling confident about something is the second the ball is going to drop out from underneath me and I'm going to fall down the trap door to my demise. So, Tommy, I wish you hadn't have said that because you've got me actually feeling good for a moment and I don't
4: like feeling good. You you are the Buffalo Bills driving down oh, against the New York Giants, and all you need is to kick a 47-yard <laughs> field goal, and this thing is over, baby. We're headed back to Buffalo with the first of many Super Bowl rings.
3: I've, I, You know, I appreciate a good Scott Norwood reference, Yes, and I really wish you would have made that kick. I'm going to try to make the kick for the city of Buffalo today. All
0: right. Okay. Ray, has there ever been a time where you haven't been confident at point number three?
3: Oh, I feel every single time we get to point number three that I should win. The thing is, I never understand is the judge, who I've already laid out two perfectly brilliant points. I've countered every single thing you brought to the table, and then we get to the turning point, and the judge is like, I don't know, James' character kind of strong, so I guess uh, I think James is ahead right now. I'm like, do you even listen when I say words? First of all, that's
4: not how I talk.
3: I'm not going to talk like that. Wow, <laughs> I was thinking that was that that Bugs Bunny uh, mobster yeah. sidekick. That's what I see every judge as yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's also how uh, how the host on Antique Antique Roadshow talks, by the way, <laughs> which explains a lot about their ratings. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number
3: three for Marnius Calgar, I want to talk you through where he's been to where he is now in the story, as well as some of the great victories that he's accomplished. Because we talked before about the standard space marines, and they're very, very impressive. And then you talk about how he's a step above that as a force commander, as a chapter master, as as a giant leader of the ultramarines. Now, more recently in the lore, and that's within just the last few years, Marnius Calgar has gotten something put in him called uh, the Primaris. Now, the Primaris is re- in reference to the Primarchs. The Primarchs go back to the world of Warhammer 30K, and those are the original founding space marines of the chapters that we have today. In the case of the Ultramarines, who was a character named Roboot Guleman. And Robogulamon is kind of held in a stasis field. He's back now. He's huge. He does a thing. They said, Marnius Calgar, we got this experimental new thing we want to do, where we turn you into a Primarch. We turn you into a Primaris. And we're going to take that power level that's already been up to here and then to here. And we're going to take it. So now you're going to be instead of seven and a half feet tall, you're going to be nine feet tall. And you're going to have the wisdom of the, of the ages. And you're going to have all this extraordinary extra power so that any other regular space marine on the planet won't be able to deal with you in a one-on-one type of situation. So he went from 19 implants to 22 implants, adding something called the Magnificat, the Belisarian Furnace, and the Sinew Coils. Now you could ask me, Ray, what are those three things? I don't know. I only know what they're called, and that's really all you need for the sake of this. So you've taken a character, and now you've taken him to an even more heightened level from what I've even described up to this point. Now, some of the things that he has done. He has encountered crusades and had a lot of defensive strategies. Uh, as often he's he goes to the place that's being attacked and he goes to defend it. That's his big deal. He was there in the storylines the very first time the Tyranid, which if you think the aliens from Aliens meets the aliens from Starship Troopers meets the Zerg from StarCraft. It's that kind of a living, bioorganic monsters that they, they came in fighting in a way that nobody had ever seen before. They, they were fighting and bringing tactics to the table that nobody had even conceived of. They would just throw the tiny bugs by the millions at the space marines because they knew they didn't care about them and they were not always ready to deal with this new threat. Marnius Calgar figured out that there are some smart ones controlling the rest of the hive with what's called the hive mind. Those are called synapse creatures. And Marnius Calgar figured out if we pick off all the synapse creatures, all of the other bugs out there will sort of lose their leader, lose their ability to know what's going on in the battle, have no one to guide them, and they're going to sort of just become more animalistic and we can deal with animalistic. We can't deal as much with animals that have hard tactics among them. So, he was able to uh, come up against a character called the Swarm Lord, who is a giant giant Tyranid monster who can regenerate. Basically, the Swarm Lord is the kind of Tyranid giant alien monster that could take a regular Space Marine and then literally just cut them in half with one of its claws, you know, absolutely. Marius Kagga was able to stand up to the Swarm Lord and fight it for a good period of time before eventually getting overwhelmed by the Tyranid forces and needing to be rescued. But the second time he came back, he was able to have a lot more success against the Swarm Lord. But the big attacks that i want to talk about is a group called the eldar these are the elves in space if you're going to essentially go there they have very very high powered psychic powers and very very elite equipment they've been around the universe longer they have more high level science fiction attacks marnius calgar was defending an underground facility i believe with an item called the scepter of galaxium it was an eldar relic that they said they showed up with the diplomats they said we want it back that's ours give it back and the ultramarine said you're an alien to you in your face. And so the Eldar decided to attack. The Eldar started to attack and attack and attack. And on the very first day of all the combat, Marnius Kalgar was able to lead his ultramarines with himself at the front and repelled all of this high-level space elf magic and technology. And they said, okay, we gotta bust out the big guns for this one. So they called forth a living demon host, a living god, god of war they call them, an avatar of Cain onto the battlefield. And we're talking what must be about a 10-foot tall monster with a Giant, giant, powerful sword that is also, much like the Swarm Lord, can rip space marines in half right and left without even thinking about it. Well, Avatar of Kane, very, very fast, very, very strong melee character, fights with Martius Kalgar, who in the middle of the battle realizes, like, this guy's no joke. This guy's tough. The Avatar of Kane tried to come down with his giant sword, using his two gauntlets of Ultramar. Marnius Calgar was able to catch the blade, knowing that it was the most powerful spot on his entire persona. He caught the blade in one hand, knowing it would not be cut, and delivered a punch to the midsection of that Avatar of Cain, which literally blew a hole in him like it was Kung Pao Enter the Fist. He blew a hole in a living god with one punch. If he gets any chance to do that to Sub-Zero, we're talking one big time fatality and that is my point
0: number three you know it says the most expensive item to ever be featured on an antique road show which was actually a swiss pocket watch from 19 19- i'm sorry i was just i was lost in um looking up some <laughs> items this is interesting so i love this because listening to this you know i'm trying to figure out the equivalent it's orion Pax. if orion Pax was more powerful given the matrix of leadership And being busted (laughs) up to Optimus Prime. That's what this sounds like. Is that kind of a fair analogy? There's
3: there's a lot of good analogy happening there. I'm not going to lie.
0: Okay, that's cool. So I love the fact that he was able to punch a living God that way and and apply and do so much damage. Oddly enough, Sub-Zero has also punched a living God or two and done quite a bit of damage and frozen them. So that's a really cool thing. Again, I can't put down anything you said. Marius is an insanely awesome character. And Ray, one thing I'm going to admit is that the more, whenever we do a video game character that you represent, typically what happens is we go through the battle and I'm like, I make a mental note. I'm like, I got to start playing that game. And that's definitely happened with here with the same character. Okay, let me get to my point number three. And I think I may have something that will counter this possibly and also help kind of Tommy see where I'm coming from. So I call this experience with cyborgs and magic. So Tommy, let me take you on a journey, if I will. There's two additional things that make me see Sub-Zero as the winner in this fight. So first, it's his experience, and not just his his experience with fighting all the various beings in Mortal Kombat. See, Sub-Zero has a lot of experience with cyborgs, and when you come down to it, Marnius has a lot of enhancements, a lot of upgrades, but it's a lot of, like, cyborg components, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Uh, Uh, Let me just say right now, James, Marnius Kalgar, depending on kind of the lore, he's had many of his limbs replaced with robotic limbs. His face has a robotic eye attached to it, so there is a lot of metallic uh, mechanical
0: components as part of his being. Very good. Okay, great. So we're on the same page. So Sub-Zero's fought cyborgs throughout Mortal Kombat. He was even a cyborg himself for a while, which means he's going to quickly understand what he's facing when he fights Marnius, at least on some level. However, as I mentioned before, Marnius will still have no idea what he's facing when he fights Sub-Zero. You got to think about it. Marnius, big, huge guy coming in, you know, jacked beyond belief with, you know, the Matrix of Leadership equivalent. And then all of a sudden he's like, look, here's a guy in a kind of weird looking blue suit with a mask on. You know, I fought things way harder, way stronger than this, so I think. So I do believe sub is going to catch him by surprise, at least at first. Then the other thing that's going to be really cool is there's the aspect of magic. So, sure, Sub-Zero's ice powers work like regular ice, but the level of cold that I mentioned before that he can produce can only be explained by the fact that it's magic in nature. And as we've said many times on Who Would Win, magic beats science just because of its chaotic nature. Uh, nature. And as Ray said, Martinus' armor is not designed for extreme super cold. That's the really big flaw I see that. Now, if he ever has to go up against something where he has to experience super cold, maybe they'll design something. But as far as I can tell, minus six and a half million degrees Fahrenheit isn't a common thing that, that you know, the space marines face in uh, uh, Warhammer, you know, 40K. So all this just means that Sub-Zero's magic absolutely will be able to affect Marius' armor and mechanical or cybernetic parts. That is a given. And all of that doesn't take into account the dragon medallions, this cool little thing that Sub-Zero has that he wears, it signifies his position as a leader of his clan, but it also increases the power of his freezing abilities dramatically. So as strong and as powerful he is, 6.5 million degrees under, you know, minus 6.5 million degrees Fahrenheit, he can possibly go colder, create more intense cold, create greater constructs, be even more devastating with it. And now let's just call it the pink elephant in the room, Sub-Zero's fatalities. Now, the fatalities are interesting to me because... This is stuff that works against gods within Mortal Kombat. But I'm going to have to admit something. I think, and I brought this up in a previous match, Ray, where if a fatality is going to be applied, it's kind of a cheap thing because don't you have to already have your opponent near death anyway? Like, you've already have them finished, right? And they're just kind of sitting there, and if you don't do anything, they'll fall to the ground dead anyway. So I don't think fatalities are going to come into play at all in this matchup. But I do see brutalities coming in in a very big way which work against everybody cyborgs ninjas ninja cyborgs gods demons everybody and they'll work against Marnius. So in case you don't know for our audience brutalities are finishing moves that unlike fatalities are performed anytime before the official end of a match. You can start in a you know in a minute into it brutality right then and there. They're actually like a normal special attack but instead of reaching you know finish him or finish her or whatever you can just do it whenever. So some of my favorite brutalities are the Snowball, where Sub-Zero freezes his opponent and sends an ice blast into them from across the screen, and it smashes their torso into pieces. He's got the ice cube where he slides under the opponent, hits them from underneath. Their body explodes except for their head, which turns into kind of like a human skull ice cube. There's a splitting image where Sub-Zero creates an ice clone of himself and shatters it, and the ice shards, because it's being shattered, go in all the opponents' uh, direction, you know, within their body, impaling them through the head and body even through cybernetics and into gods as well. He's got the ice sculpture where Sub-Zero freezes the opponent, then thrusts it. I love this one. He thrusts his palm through their chest so hard that it shatters, taking their spine along with it and causing their head to fall off and shatter. Why Sub-Zero does a lot of spine yanking and pulling, I don't know. It's kind of a weird fetish. Whatever. In the end, Sub-Zero's you know, superhuman fighting abilities, his powers that are magically based, the, the range of opponents he's faced, his knowledge of cyborgs, being able to quickly understand he's facing a very powerful opponent that's cybernetic on what to do, and the fact that he can create an environment of minus 6.5 million degrees Fahrenheit, something that, you know, this person will not be prepared for it. That's why I think Sub-Zero wins this fight. That's my point number three.
3: I think you actually made some good points in, in your point number three there, and I'm gonna destroy them obviously because that's what I'm here to do. Fair. But you did make some decent points that I think I probably would have tried to bring to the table if I was if this matchup was reversed. Now, the thing I want to talk about here, how first off does one un cyborg themselves? He used to be a cyborg, now it's not. What were those robotic parts replaced with? Like that I don't even need an answer for it. I just think that's crazy. Sure. You said it, it was it was magic. Okay, it's
0: gotta be magic. Magic. He was he was cyborg, he was a person. Cyborg and then he got uncyborg because of magic magic okay so at the ultramarines home base
3: there's a, a whole library there's a whole bunch of holy relics and there's a whole you know secret area that they inhabit in there are 28 tomes 28 tomes just of accomplishments of Martius calgar they wrote 28 entire tomes of knowledge on the stuff he's done now part of that was fighting the ruinous forces of chaos now when he sees sub-zero i absolutely do not believe that he would underestimate sub-zero and i'll tell you Why? Because they fight chaos space marines and chaos cultists and chaos demons all the time. So he would probably look at Sub-Zero and think uh, of the four chaos gods he's either a Zinch demon or he's some sort of a Slanesh demon of one of those two factions groups of which he's fought a heck of a lot so when he starts throwing out magic and he starts throwing out kind of magic missiles and ice balls and that kind of a thing that is the type of thing, maybe not exactly like what Sub-Zero does but it's not something that he's never seen before and it's not something that he's got no imagination with coming from the powers of chaos so walking into the battle i think he would assume that he was a chaos monster Use the same strategies he's used to beat chaos and i think those same strategies would work against sub-zero so quick question how many what are these 28 tomes of what 28 tomes just based on the accomplishments of martius kelgar essentially telling his story
0: telling his legend so if i go into your basement right now ray how many tomes are written that you wrote based off your accomplishments and your legend
3: I mean, it numbers in the thousands at this point.
0: <laughs> That's fair. All right. Okay, so Tommy, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. This is where you got to put it all on the line. You got to tell us, take us through your process. Tell us how, why, when, where the opponent wins. Who wins this battle between Marnius and Sub-Zero?
4: Well, I this third round was I- I- informative in unexpected ways. I, I certainly was headed down a path After the first two rounds that seemed uh, inevitable, as I said before, I I'm reminded of uh, to bring it back to basketball kid. I played basketball with when I was younger. I'll just, he went by a nickname. I won't use his real name, the garage door and the garage door was a massive kid, not the best basketball player, but just simply a massive, powerful entity. And we played some really, really good basketball teams with the garage door at center with really, really good basketball players and they still could not score on the garage door. Was he more physically gifted than those basketball players? No, but he simply existed in such a phenomenally large and omnipresent way that they were unable to, despite being more skilled of fighters or basketball players, defeat him. So why does that apply to this? As I said before, Sub Zero can do a lot of things. But in order to defeat Marnius Kalgor, he would have to basically death by a thousand paper cuts him, or death by a thousand icicles, we'll say for this. I simply don't believe, with what I've been presented with by Ray, that he would have those opportunities. I, I understand that he could be frozen temporarily. I don't think that that will put him out of commission. I do believe he would. I believe Sub Zero would be dispatched with the second Marnius regained full strength or even half strength, whether it's by firing one of his weapons, his projectiles, or simply just beating him with the same fist that can stop the sword of a god. Okay, so I have to say, after all of this, the win goes to Marnius Kalgar.
0: Uh, Dear Lord. Uh, wow. Lord. wow!
4: Get I the parade. I, I know that wasn't as uh, as uh, as much of a cliffhanger as I would have liked, but I just thought it was kind of a wire to wire display of
0: power. I I, I got to tell you the the Shakespearean sonnet that you presented <laughs> was you, you think anyone's was... going
4: to listen? You're going to have to edit that all
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. So so you're saying like Marnus Calgar is like large and in charge? Yes. Got it. So that's how Sub-Zero lost by not being able to overcome l- someone being large and in charge. Yes. Got it. I actually don't disagree. The, the 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 This opponent, when when the Who Would Win production team said, okay, we got we were thinking Sub-Zero. And I'm like, please give me Sub-Zero. Please give me Sub-Zero. And they said, here's Marnius Calgar. I'm like, from Warhammer 40k. And I'm like, wait a second. Who? And like, I wasn't that familiar. And then <laughs> I started reading it. And then I remembered Ray loves that game. And I'm like, this is going to be a tough battle. This is not one I'm upset with. I think this was a a good call on your part. Ray brought up some great points. The only thing that kind of takes me off is I was really hoping for that fourth win, yeah. but uh, Ray, you got it. Well done. You know, I don't
3: even feel joy right now. I just feel like I feel <laughs> not sad, and that's I don't know. It's hey. I don't. I, I just I don't have emotions anymore. I guess is what I'm saying. It's hey. just rage or hey. it's it's even.
4: Ray. Now you know what it's like to be a Bills fan, baby. You're <laughs> Sir, right
3: I am a Lions now. fan, so I don't okay. even know what joy is there either. I don't to feel be joy.
4: <laughs> I don't feel anything.
3: I just feel like now I have to worry about screwing up next week. That's really all I could think about right now. And and I sure hope I don't as we go into as we go into mainstream March. Uh, in the Who Would Win show. We're going to start using some very mainstream characters for the next four weeks of March. I consider Marnius Calgar and Sub-Zero to be mainstream, though. Where I come from, these are two of the most well-known characters in the gaming community that you could possibly find.
0: I, I agree. I think with with everything that's coming out, with you know the movies and different TV shows, I get why the Who Would Win production team wants to go in that direction. Although, oddly enough, I'm siding with you, Ray, on this one. I can't really believe this is happening. I do feel this matchup was a was a mainstream matchup. This was really, really good.
3: Five mainstream March matchups. This right. was number one. Why the heck not? I am 1-0 in mainstream March now. Just because we're going to be using mainstream characters who have properties coming out right around the time when we're going to be releasing them does not mean we are going with stale matchups. I want to make that absolutely clear to the people at home. That is not the direction we're going on. We're just going to use characters
0: of the now. By the way, good luck for us ever having a stale matchup. You could take two characters that yeah, have been true. debated forever in every iteration you can think of on every platform you can think of ray and again i don't mean to keep giving you props i am 100 percent confident you and i come into this we present the characters differently we make it a super fresh amazing matchup i'll beat up anyone who says otherwise by the way, I really welcome pay a visit. Who is even saying otherwise? Those I don't know. I'm just dumb. putting it out there, Ray. I just want people to understand. I, just, I, I
3: can't believe anybody could actually see, just, the, see what we bring to the table week after week on this show. and just be like, eh, I don't know. I, I, I He missed this thing about uh, uh, uh this. and I don't,
0: uh, Get out of here with that nonsense, please. You remember what happened at that last convention where, you know, someone came up to us and said, you missed point number three. And I was like, what did I do? <laughs> and, uh, then I got arrested. The point is, I'm willing to stand <laughs> up for the show. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but, you, but you won that encounter, James. That's the important That's thing. Fair. That's fair. I want to know. I want to know. Okay. All right. So, Tommy. Yes. Uh, Shakespeare. Yes. Your your lyrical poetry, your sonnets, your colloquies. I don't know what else he is. Fantastic as always. You're always a pleasure to have on the show. And uh, we want you back. The fans want you back. And we wish you nothing but the best. Please tell everyone where they can find you.
4: You can find me on Bumble, swiping right like a (laughs) maniac. No, you can find me at Tommy (laughs) Bechtold on all social media platforms, and you can find me on the New Rockstars YouTube channel. We have some very exciting stuff coming up in March, uh, so stay tuned. And, guys, anytime you want me back on, this is one of my favorite things to do. I always am flattered that you ask me to come back. Please, anytime, I, I would love to judge again.
0: Love it. Speaking about being judged, Ray... You broke the streak. I was going for four. like You know I really wanted that fourth win.
3: Oh, I and, know you uh, really wanted that fourth yeah. win. Trust me, it's the, it's the one thing that I have left that you don't on this show. Now, I the know. problem is, given all the high-level characters going to be running, you could go on another run at any time. Look, the people at home know that you're going to bring it every single week, and I need to be a, a a a fast-striking assassin in order to deflect all of your points and also convince the judge, which
0: always seems to be the hardest part of it. Ugh, don't even get me started. So true, so true. All right, so congratulations on the win. Go ahead and tell- I all deserve the, it. Yeah, tell everyone where they can find you. Well,
3: first off, I want to read a review or two because we've got some of these great five-star reviews, and I'm in a great mood right now, as as good as my moods are going to be. So here's a few of our more recent five-star reviews. We got one here from Arach the Red, five stars, titled "Wow!" exclamation point! What a great show! Super interesting idea and format. The hosts are knowledgeable, funny, and well-spoken. I am can't wait for more. And the second one I want to read is from Falcon Punch Grip, five stars called Great Podcast. I started listening to this podcast on my commutes home from work. I'm really impressed by the quality of the content. Once again, you're welcome, Falcon Punch Grip. I do my part on this show. Guys, you can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We are going to be celebrating this one. I hope you celebrate it a lot because I know I earned it. I know I deserve it. We all know I probably should be winning the fourth of a four-match streak right now as opposed to thwarting a four-match from James. What are you going to do? We can't make the judges do the right thing, James. We can't make them listen to logic week after week after week. Some weirdness is going to happen, and that's how we got to where we are right now. Have I whined about it enough? I don't think so. You can find me at Almighty Ray on Twitter.
0: (laughs) Sorry, that's awesome. All right, Ray. Again, great job today. You brought it, brought your A-game, and it was actually a super fun match as always, but I want those four wins in a row. So uh, count on next week. I don't blame Um you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be uh, coming in guns a-blazing. I'm getting those four wins sooner or later. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James JamesGabsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. By the way, you can also find us on TikTok. Yeah, we're on TikTok too. Don't forget to Yes, it's crazy, right? Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Race Stecanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Look, as guys, so much of our personal identity is wrapped up in our hair, from how it feels after getting a great haircut to the way we style it before going out. And that's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time because let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair.
3: And in the olden days of yore, you had to go to a doctor to get a prescription. But now, with Keeps you can do all that online and get the hair loss medication delivered right to your front door every three months no more waiting at the doctor's office no more waiting at the pharmacy.
0: So find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and why more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at, wow, just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. Look, there's only two FDA-approved products out there to combat hair loss.
3: Heck, you might have even tried them before, but you've never tried them with this convenience and at this price.
0: If you're ready to take action, and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash win to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K E E P S dot com slash win.